Hello, my fellow felines, and welcome to yet another edition of the Almond View podcast, the only Livingston FC podcast you need for information that doesn't really matter. Joining myself, Liam Innes, this week are my co-host, Jake Pointer. Hello. As well as our well-proportioned panellists, Owen Innes, little Timmy Thomas Fro down the well, and Mr. Stephen Povey. <laughs> Timmy down the well. Hello. Hello. <laughs> This week, we will look back at the last two league games for Livingston's with a home win against Dundee United and a home defeat to Celtic. We'll also have a round of Got You Number, where the boys will try out the number nine shirt from Premiership Player of the Month, Bruce Anderson. That all sounds like delicious content. Ken, what you should do? Here's what you should do. Go to your local co-op, buy yourself a carton of own brand chocolate milk, buy some cornflakes, take them home, and have a good old bowl of cornflakes with chocolate milk as a crunchy, chocolatey treat. I've personally never done it, but the next time my wife is out, oh boy, you better know that that is my plan. Anyway, have your chocolatey cornflakes while listening to us talk absolute nonsense about the Cinch's most poorly supported full-time club in terms of numbers right now on the Ammon View podcast. Oh, I miss Hamilton. Yes. Like. We are recording this on the 8th of March 2022, which means two things. First thing, it's International Women's Day 2022. So to all our female supporters, all of the mums, grannies, wives, girlfriends, sisters, friends, aunties, the Livingston Women's Football Club, and any other strong women we know and that is out there in the world, happy International Women's Day. We bloody love you. Second thing, it means that Livingston FC have just played back-to-back home games. First off was a 2-1 win against Dundee United that required a comeback after failing, uh, falling one goal behind after just three minutes. However, a Scott Pittman belter in the first half and a late own goal from Dundee United's Ryan Edwards meant that the point stayed in West Lothian. <clears throat> so let's, um, let's just kind of go out to, to the boys. Um, let's start off with Thomas. So Dundee United kind of started off flying. Tony Watt with you know some good work and cut back for Liam Smith. Um, what were kind of thoughts seeing us go down, uh, well, one down so early, Tim? It was slightly worrying. Um, I was always kind of convinced that we would get back into the game, but you kind of wonder what the mentality is going to be like when you go 1-0 down early. Um, which you shouldn't worry about with this team to be fair because they're they're fucking warriors but yeah I think that first 10 minutes of the game we looked appalling and I don't know what it was like I don't know if we just weren't just quite in the game yet or kind of weren't switched on but we kind of soon turned it round and I think after that first 10 minutes we absolutely battered them so yeah slightly worried to begin with Um, you know never want to concede early you can just say oh you know, they're just going to sit in and defend and just frustrate us for the whole game. Um, but, you know, we did what we do. And, uh, yeah, always convinced we were going to get back in the game. Never a problem. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. No, I like that a lot. <clears throat> yeah, I totally agree. Um, Povey, I'll then um, flick over to you, my guy. Um, Tony Watt came off. Definitely kind of changed things. A little bit. Were you kind of surprised about how kind of timid they were after that? No, I'd say um, I'd say we just kind of found our feet. To be honest, anyway, I think even if Watt had stayed on, we we would have been all right. Uh, we just just took us a wee while to get into it. We totally dominated it. Really, uh, a lot a lot of that game. Uh, thought there was a lot of standout players. Looking back to our best, this consistency we are showing right now is terrifyingly good. I'm just uh, so no, I'm not surprised to be honest. I like that, and if anything, going one 0 down and showing that character to come back is just shows how far we've come. Like that is not the same team that we had at the start of the season. Not a chance. This is definitely. 
um, definitely a, a team that's ready to fight fight back and it's looking good to, for this end of the season and I love that we, we keep referring to these these games as cup finals because well I hate talking about cup finals after last season but uh, but generally like I just like that attitude because that is the way we need to look at look at these games and uh, we're certainly showing it yeah, no, absolutely. <clears throat> like that point about just kind of how much we've kind of almost developed as a team from the start of the season. And uh, no, it's good. It's good to see um, Omers and Uppers for sure. So, Liam, I'm going to come um, to you next. <clears throat> so, we've we kind of became le- on, put on level terms uh, with a Scott Pittman goal, but definitely a great assist um, from Bruce Anderson as well, which kind of shows how versatile he is. But what do you think? Potentially a goal of the season contender for Livy? Yeah, genuinely. I I think it was that good. Um the way that like the ball just sort of bounced so perfectly for him. He set himself I, I mean, it was a great great vision from Bruce Anderson, but in my opinion, when it first when he first passed the ball to him, in my head I was like, That's a fucking shocking pass to give him. I was thinking if he was just putting it across the ground, then Pitts would have been able to just sort of guide it in low and hard into the corner but then as soon as I seen him just fucking it was as if he'd shot at <laughs> shot at him and I was like oh no this is going to be a fucking chance wasted but then the control let it bounce first time I mean there was two Dundee United defenders closing him down as well and it just managed like the, the angle from behind the goal just shows you how close they were to actually blocking it and it was no deflection clean as fuck Right into the top bin. Um, yes, yeah, so I would say it's probably up there with goal this season. Obviously, we've talked about Bailey's against County, and um, yeah, but I, I think for in terms of control, touch, control, finish, you can't really ask for much better than that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, especially <clears throat> that it's almost, although it was a great kind of individual effort because it's this. You know, like the goal was so the actual strike was so clean and so good. It just did seem like a full kind of team team goal, which is good. Uh, definitely again showing that kind of improvement from the start. Uh, Owen, I'm going to flick over to you. Just we have, you know, Pittman's come under quite a lot of criticism uh, recently. Played really well recently. Do you think he's kind of that's kind of him back, uh, and he's only going to kind of stay at that level for the kind of rest of the season? I think so. Um, I think it's it's just been as everyone said consistency uh, the fact that he's come back in and he's been part of that midfield three that have been so consistent and I think as well Martin Dale's been saying that Pittman that he keeps playing or he's dropping Omionga and Holt back a little bit more um, and that leaves Pittman that little bit kind of closer up front I think, though, one of it, in my opinion, it's not a coincidence as well that Nubly, Nubly is able to bring players into the game. So when you've got Nubly holding up the ball on the wing, we've been seeing players like Anderson and Forrest, like making and uh, and Devlin even making runs sort of in between. So then that allows players like Pittman to get into the box and I mean it goes to show that you know he managed to get a goal against Dundee and then a goal against Dundee United and both times Nubly was involved and balls have been coming in from the wide areas where Nubly's given it to first of all Devlin in the Dundee game and then um, and then obviously getting I mean he wasn't directly involved for his goal against Dundee United but you know, it's it's Bruce. Just to add on as well with what Liam was saying about Bruce Anderson's, like his touch and stuff. His he has come on so much since the beginning of the season. Like he would not have been able to hold the ball up that well at the beginning of the season. He's clearly learning, and I am so glad that he's going to be here for at least another two years. <laughs> Pittman's consistency's coming back. Um. I think I think maybe his injury that he had maybe just was constantly keeping him down or something like that. But he needed a goal 
to get the confidence. And I think uh, his confidence has been building, but now he's grabbed a couple of goals recently. I think that's only a good thing for him. And a good thing for us. Nah, absolutely. I, t- I totally agree as well. I'm not, yeah, I'm not really sure what the kind of reasoning was. Yeah, potentially the, the injury. Um, t- um, <clears throat> oh my God. T- uh, <laughs> I don't know what to my voice there at all. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Thomas, welcome to you. Uh, so we're all back. So the second half was kind of, you know, it was kind of end to end. It wasn't, um, I don't know, I didn't feel as confident about the second half as I did about the, kind of the first. But Alan Forrest, again, having another kind of standout performance, you know, against a team that he's potentially been linked with as well. Um, yeah, he just doesn't really get phased by that kind of transfer talk, does he? He just seems to kind of kind of pull out the bag. Uh, what were your kind of thoughts on him? Oh, it was brilliant money. Um, full game. Really, really good. Uh, he's, in, he's in some amazing form at the moment. And it's just how direct he is. I think we probably banged on about a million times, but he's just so direct. He picks at the ball, he takes someone on, he tries to get kind of enter those dangerous spaces and it's kind of class to see like that we've got players that like aren't afraid to like lose the ball almost because if you go and try and take on people you're going to lose the ball occasionally and that shows a team of confidence because you know it's very easy to turn around and play a simple pass but when when he's actually going for it it just shows that they're kind of losing my confidence but I think it's kind of it's the arm force that we've been crying out for, I think, for kind of since we signed them. That kind of directness, that kind of drive, getting into the box, getting into dangerous areas, it's it's so good to see. And there's probably a big part of it that he's playing for a move. And I think he probably deserves a good move. I, I think Stevie was spot on with what, with what he said. There's going to be much bigger clubs than fucking Dundee United looking at it. And if he gets the opportunity to go down south and play at a decent level, then fair play to him. I'll be gutted if he goes to a Scottish team. Absolutely gutted. Even if it is one of the ugly sisters. Um, but I, I think he's, he's very talented. Very talented player. And we're seeing the best of him now. Hopefully it's kind of, you know, you never know. He might, he might stick around. But hopefully it's not just that last wee bit. But we'll see. We'll see. Sign the deal. Sign the deal. Alan Forrest. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, no. Again, I was just going to say, do you think there's maybe the um, the slight possibility of a you know Bruce Anderson jet swap deal thing, Alan Forrest to Birmingham City, Odin Bailey to Livingston? I know he's out of contract, but it might be a you know, it's the sort of deal that we've done in the past, isn't it? I I mean for I mean a couple of those signings like that, so it's all about the. Um, compensation at that stage, isn't it? Um, and you're basically swapping for for compensation or lack of compensation. So yeah, I think he's, he's over 22 now, though, isn't he? So I don't think I don't think we would get any compo for him. So no, I, think I'm, not, I uh, think I'm being a wee bit cheeky with it. But uh, <laughs> um, either that or Max. I mean, we know that there's teams after Max. Max would be a good shout for like someone like Birmingham City because I'd quite like to see Odin Bailey stick around. Who knows? Maybe. No, well, that's what we do in our review podcast. We just start fucking bullshit rumours and we'll just uh, declare they're all real. <laughs> uh, Owen, I'll go back to you, actually. Um, so the we finished off. Jason Holt had the ball, pushed out at Devlin. Devlin crossed it in. Own goal by Dundee United. Get it absolutely fucking up them. That kind of luck just really wasn't happening at the start of the season. Do you think you make your own luck or do you think we are just, you know, that's it, we're just being lucky? What do, you think? what do you think? I don't think we've been lucky. We we can see, you can tell that the team now, in comparison to the team at the start of the season, is playing much better. Um, and that is the type of game that we could easily have lost 2-1. We could easily have lost. I don't think we make our own luck, though. I think we're just... We have been pummeling teams recently. And, like, you know, Dundee was was just one of those brilliant results where we just pummeled them for the entire game and got what we deserved out of it. The amount of times that we did that, like Aberdeen at the beginning of the season, we lose 2-1, was exactly the same. We pummeled Aberdeen for the full 90 minutes and lost that game 2-1. 
Like it was, it's just insane. Um, so I don't think I don't think it's necessarily luck. I think it's Davies, um, Davies man management. I think and team management, not necessarily man management, but team management this season. Um, he's it just took that little bit longer to prove than last season because obviously he'd been working last season. We went on this great run last season, um, but he'd been working with those players for you know the six months or so before. Gary Holt left. So they knew what Martindale wanted, whereas Martindale then had to assemble this team for this season. And I think that's that's now really starting to show. And I completely agree with him as well uh, when he says that this, you know, at the beginning of the season, he came out with this thing of uh, this, this phrase when he said, this is the best Livingston team that I've worked with. These are the best individual players that I've worked with in the entire time that I've been here. I mean, we were like, well, really? Better than like, you know, Halkett, Burn, Gallagher, Hardy, Miller, you know, all of these, just all of these players that got us to where we are. And he was saying that like, you know, that like Jack Fitzwater was better than them. And at the start of the season, none of well, I certainly didn't believe him, but now I totally and utterly believe him. Um, every single signing that he's made this season has come in and done brilliantly. The only ones, arguably, have been a couple of the lone players, um, not naming any names, <laughs> but you know, majority over the piece. I mean, getting Penrice, basically doing a swap deal with Tiffany for Penrice has been an absolute masterstroke this season. And uh, even like Sean Kelly coming in, I fear enough, he didn't look really that good, but at the beginning of the season, but now he just makes these random appearances and he comes in and he actually does all right. It's like, we now know I am, I've got total and utter belief in this squad um, that they are like better they are they they all deserve to be playing at a higher level than what they're playing at at this moment in time. Um, but I don't think we're we're writing our own luck. I just genuinely think that we have a really good, really really talented team, and a really good and really talented manager. Uh, and I will go on record with my apologies to David Martindale for half the shit that I said at the beginning of the season. <laughs> uh, Povey wants to say something. I just. Uh... About Davies' management, I I felt he he managed that Dundee United game well, and that we were at one one. Yeah, we had plenty of chances. I I felt that we. I was a bit worried uh, when when Anderson went got subbed off, which I understand why we keep putting him off uh, because he's so important to, that we start him every game. So and we have a lot. We've had a lot of games recently, you know. So I understand why we we put him off. I wasn't too impressed with Soto and uh, when he came on against Dundee United, I was a bit worried until Davy made a couple of brilliant subs. Now Nubly and Forrest going off for me was just like it was the right time. Obviously they're they like they're dangerous, but. Putting on Christian Montano, who I thought was bloody brilliant, and putting on Bailey, who, as Owen, you've commented already, we we love him. We think he's absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, I thought that was quite an impact change, and the goal came a couple of minutes later. You know, so that was really clever that sub, and and it, you know, it won us the game. But to have these players coming on, and I, I mean, I, I do like Montano a lot, uh, even though he's just getting these wee, wee, wee sort of spells. He's class, like he's, he's total direct. Uh, and we needed that at that point of the game. And that's what won us the points. So, yeah, kudos to David. Just sort of adding on to your point there, you know? Yeah, he's definitely, he's, yeah, he's pulled out of the bag this season. Um, <clears throat> for me, the whole point of, you know, last year I think we were really we were a bit quite critical that he didn't have a plan B, and it was really a bit long ball-y at one point. And if we went, you know, if we'd, they'd throw a hat a long ball up to a short fucking centre forward didn't work, seemed we were a bit a bit confused by it all. 
and didn't know what else to do. But this season, definitely things like playing out from the back, trying different things, the whole, um, definitely the kind of using the centre-backs more um, than just kind of hoofing it past them. It, it does make a big difference. I mean, are, they are playing just better football. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I digress too much. Povey, I'm going to go back to you, my guy. Um, Devlin, you know, really contributing going forward again. Something he was maybe doing, I, I think I remember when he just first came in, I thought he was doing that a lot more and it was, re- and it was really working. But now he's, it's really, he's kind of back to his best. He's always been really quite solid and defensively, but but going forward, he's been he's been great. But then what are you kind of thinking about him at the moment? Personally, not that, not thinking that much differently. I just think, as I've said before, outstanding captain, really like gets the, gets the team motivated. Uh, he is direct. I love this Penrice-Devlin thing. We've talked about, obviously, with the two baldies, like, Reminds us of the, the two baldies, Brunkan and Bolin. But, yeah, I mean, I've not got a lot to add on to... Uh, he just keeps it going, you know? He's just... He, he is really good. Obviously, one concern I think Owen picked up, probably said a lot more than... Uh, and he's right to say so, was, like, his, his final ball wasn't great. That's for me, is something that has improved, definitely. Um but yeah, he's damn fast as well. Like he's so pacey. So I'm gonna go last night on the Dundee United game. I'm gonna go to Uliam. I nearly uh, mentioned this there before, but just talking about um, the kind of changes that Martindale has brought in, and the two centre backs. You know, the two goals did come from those diagonal balls. You know, accurate diagonal balls from Io and um, Fitzwater. It's fucking oh, it's so sexy to see. Finally, a bit of accuracy. Talk, uh, just talk about how much of a difference that's made to us this season. Well, do you know, right, so do you know the, the highlights that our man Blair Coburn does like from, you know, a different perspective? Both the highlights start with a diagonal ball from Iowa Black, right? And they look exactly the same. So I thought I was watching, when I was watching the second goal, I thought I was watching the first one again. Because it just looked exactly the same, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like he's done that twice. He started that attack. Like he started both. He is the sort of the the starting point of both goals, um, and I thought that you know I think our man uh, Noobs got man of the match courtesy of the Livingston Ladies squad. I'm not saying that he didn't deserve it, but I think you know a lot of folk were saying you know Anderson, Pittman, Holt, Devlin you know, the usual suspects, but I actually thought that Ayo was brilliant both in terms of the fact that he started both attacks for the goals with those really accurate long crossfield balls, but also just being solid in defence. And Fitzwater, who I'll mention and I'll mention the, the Celtic game actually, I thought Fitzwater barring, you know, like technically gave away the penalty, which we'll come on to, but I thought he was really solid against Celtic. And I thought Ayo was pretty solid against him as well, like showing his attacking intent. And that's, I remember saying before as well about how, you know, we lost Halkett, we replaced Halkett with Guthrie, you know, goal scoring defenders. And I was saying in the middle point of the season, probably around October, that was like, we're not getting those goals. We're not, you know, there's no one in the box in set plays. It looks like that they're going to score. But since then, Ayo's went to score, you know, four, five, six goals. A couple, a few of them have been from the penalty spot. Yeah, but you know that goal against Aberdeen in particular, where he was just in the six-yard box, flips it over. Like he is getting those goals that were were missing from Guthrie leaving, um, and obviously Bruce has sort of stepped up to that as well. Who's also just a new signing. But nah, honestly, just uh, just wonderful. It's just amazing to have a player like him. After we tamed the terrors, it was the turn of the Bahoys of Celtic to travel to West Lothian in search of their first win in West Lothian since beating Gretna in 2008. Their hoodoo was finally broken after goals from Maeda and Nicky Devlin on goal and Alan Forrest's brother that was followed by an Andrew Shiniesta goal to show a little bit of fight for the Lions, but it finished 3-1 to Celtic on day. And their weird wee fans celebrated like they'd won the fucking Champions League. 
weirdos. We won't dwell on this one too long because it was pretty meh. Um, Jake, I'll come to you first. You were Mr. Hospitality on uh, Sunday. The team lineup came out and we seen that Bruce was swapped out for Andrew Shiniesta. Something that we had seen previously against Celtic uh, and it looked as if at the start we were going to put Joel Nubley up top, but then, you know, him, Forrest, swapped every so often. Was it the right move to take out our top goal scorer and bring back Andrew Shiniesta? Um, <clears throat> oh, hindsight's a funny thing, because obviously, like, was it right to put Shinny up front the last game? No. Did he score? And it was the right move? Yes. You know, so I, I wasn't, when I saw the lineup. um just on my on my phone, I thought we'd have got given a special lineup bit of paper or something like that. But no, I just it was just Tam checks in the group chat. Um, one hundred and sixty quid for that. Cool, thanks. <laughs> no, I'm joking, right? Uh, <clears throat> but no, hospitality was really cool. It was a good day, and uh, but yeah, when I saw it, it was a bit like, well, Nubley is going to be up front, and I get it. I get why they kind of he started up top, more physical and stuff. But. Oh, I don't know. I think the way we played against Dundee United when it was like, because, you know, up against Charlie McGrew and that other guy, uh, don't really see it too different to playing up against their two centre-backs at Celtic. Like, probably rate Dundee United's two centre-backs better than those two. They're fucking shite. Um, so I don't really know why he changed it because I liked the, the kind of the diagonal balls to kind of Nubley's feet. And then Anderson was there to run off. I feel like we were missing that a wee bit. Um, I mean, I know we might talk about this later, so I'm really sorry if I'm bringing this up. I feel I feel like we totally shat it. And we started playing Livy of old to not get pumped. And I know they were really up for it, right? But I was messaging a guy who um, guy that went to our school, uh, Craig Williamson, who we actually, I know we don't actually speak to him until a Celtic game comes up and then he pipes up, you know what I mean? So we've had the better of him for a while, but I said to him before the game, I was like, listen, we might lose this game, but it's the best football and football that you'll see from Livingston in the last however long. And I was completely wrong because we kind of started, we didn't even play it out from the back at all. Purely maybe, I thought we maybe would have. I thought we maybe would have done like the shorter passes to Ios and the more the crosses, just what we've been doing the whole season. And that's why I kind of, with the lineup, I thought we would have went the same lineup and just gone, fuck it, we're going to play our game this time. Instead of like other games when we're like, night, fuck it, chuck in three at the back, Jack McMillan, Adam Lewis to play this defensive, different game because we're playing Celtic. So I was a little bit disappointed that we didn't just go, right, let's do it. But then again, you know, it might have been more. You know, we might have lost more, but we didn't have our chances. But yeah. Got why he did it, but I would have quite liked him to just kind of stick to our guns and play the, the game plan that we've been kind of been doing that's been so successful. Yeah, I, I I agree with you there. I think like the one change in bringing in Shinny just seemed a bit, you know, it, it seemed more of just a sort of like, hey, remember this? You know, if you if you watch South Park, you'll know the member berries, and it is like. Remember when Andrew Shinney played up top for Livingston and they beat Celtic? Like, it was that sort of feeling of like, we're just doing it because it worked the last time and it just was fucking weird, man. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan at all, but we'll come on to, to Shinney in a wee bit. Um, it looks like Owen is frozen. So, Povey, we've not heard your dulcet tones for a while. <sighs> First half, the refereeing decisions, you know, what were your thoughts, mainly on the penalty in particular? Look, because the corner, you know, it shouldn't have stood. Corner, you know, it's been sort of analysed on sports scene. It's been, you know, whatever. It clearly wasn't a corner for Celtic, but we have to move on because the game's done. But in terms of the penalty, because they missed it, it was a little bit of justice. Um, but what were your opinions on it? Because see, for me, I was watching sports scene and I think David Templeton was doing the co-coms and he actually said he thought it was a penalty because, you know, he does actually make his body a little bit bigger by putting his arm out. So what were your thoughts on that, Povey? Uh, uh, you know, 
it was a, it was definitely a soft penalty. Uh, regardless, you know they missed the penalty slash smack strikes again. I know he didn't make a save, but they like we had them rattled. We had them early doors. I thought, well, if they're missing a penalty, they are they're shitting the bed here. So I know you didn't want me to dwell on the corner, but it does feel that's what frustrates me is that, you know, regardless if it was a penalty or not, personally, I mean, I, I would have said that was a, too soft a penalty. Uh, that's not a penalty for me. Uh, you know, what you'd be giving away a lot of penalties if uh, throughout the season if you're going to give ones like that. I felt like he's... I felt like the ref throughout the whole game actually just listened to their fans. It's the first first time probably playing AA, the, the old firm this season that we've had a ref really, really kind of go with the fans. Uh, that, that was, I mean, to the point where we were we were getting fouled, and then like it was like the ref was like, ah, oh, okay. Toot. There you go, Levy. Like, it was like, I mean, I was screaming at times, like, that's a free kick. And like, he was like, uh, looked over the linesman. Uh, you're like, what is going on here? So it's the first time we've had that against Old Farm. And that is usually what happens. So it's just frustrating. It really makes me look back and, you know, despite that. Again, a controversial penalty at Parkhead uh, when we should have had a penalty with, uh, up the other end. You know, decision. Uh, you know, it doesn't make it any easier when decisions go against you. But as I say, I felt like they've shot the bed here. They've hit the post. It's got yes, uh, Fatman and Opera. He missed it. Like brilliant. Then, <laughs> sorry. Uh, then, <laughs> and uh, I couldn't help myself like saying, "I am the Phantom of the Opera." Uh, anyway, uh, but that that was never a corner, and that was that was uh, a um, fair play to us. I, I know we're going to talk about uh, us getting back and scoring and whatever, but you know, fair play because. The game's a the game's a bogey when uh, decisions like that have gone against you. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I hate, 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 hate blaming refs, and I, I'm very much in the Davy Martindale camp of, you know, the ref made terrible decisions, but regardless, Celtic were running that game. They were doing everything they could to win that game. It just so happened that two of the three goals that they scored were quite contentious but for me I, I have to say I, I thought Nick Walsh I, I, he's one that gets a lot of flack from supporters but I actually quite like him, like, I, I've never really sort of had an issue or like remember issues with him at Libby Games but yeah I think on Sunday I don't even you know there, there's no conspiracy but I think he just seen I think he knew how much of a big game it was for Celtic at that point because they knew that Rangers had pegged them back and it looked like he was so determined not to get stuff wrong that it was more just like he will just blow for anything and then he started doing it a wee bit for Livy of just blowing for fucking nothing um, but yeah I, I, as I say I'm not going to blame the referee because it, it wasn't his fault that we lost the game what was our fault uh, Thomas I'll come to you we talked about the corner. It shouldn't have been a corner. But Andrew Shinney, man, for their first goal, he's got his man. He's pretty much got hold of his shirt. The ball comes in. And he just completely lets him go by ball watching. So what were your thoughts on the defending of the corner? Do you think the fact that it, the players knew it wasn't a corner had anything to do with it? Or is it just terrible defending? Aye. It, it wasn't the best, was it? Defending-wise, it's... A bit of a frustrating one when you see a bit of a soft goal like that, but I think we've said that quite a few times with our um, clearances and stuff. I don't know if like the kind of the con contentious decision played a part in it. Sorry, I can't speak. Uh, but 
Ah, it's one of those things you need to defend it no matter what. It does come across. It's I think it's kind of it's been put off slightly because I don't think I wasn't really expecting Max to save that. Um and he, he puts an amazing save and I think it's just gonna caught everyone off guard. Apart from the attackers who are always gonna try and get into the right position. So I think that was kind of what happened. Like I think it was just you know, nobody expecting it to come into that area. But, you know, you need to defend it. It's not great. Loses, man. Aye, is what it is. Sore one, but... Pretty sore. Pretty sore. Uh, Owen, we'll come to you. Celtic got their second goal straight from half-time. Um, again, it was one of these, you know, the ball possibly went out of play before it reached the midfield. Then there's possibly a handball again I think that would have been soft if it was given because there wasn't really much he could do but was the game over essentially after that goal because you're 2-0 down to Celtic you've conceded straight after half time it's pretty hard to especially when they're on top form do you think that the game was just essentially over by then? Yeah I think so um, I mean I've, I'm not going to lie I wasn't at the game so uh, I've only seen it from the highlights, but um, the way in which you can tell that the game was lost was when the ball was in the middle with Jason Holt and Omionga. And um, as soon as Omionga got the ball, two Celtic midfielders were around him, wrestling the ball off of him. And fair enough, immediately after that, it does hit Rodgick's hand. Uh, then Holt kicks it against Rodgick's hand. So did he go? I mean, again, the, the ball being out of play thing is is a bit again that's another contentious issue because it looks like it is but the linesman is right there like he's literally right there so he must have deemed it not I mean you know the, the officials in Scotland are majority pretty poor anyway so fair play and it's against Celtic so you can't do anything to rile them up um, but no the, the game is definitely over when you're 2-0 down um, at home to you know the team who are more than likely now to to run away with the, the championship, I think. I mean, they are only three points ahead, but, you know, they are a completely different animal to what we played at the beginning of the season and to the team that we beat at the beginning of the season. They're a completely different team. Uh, they brought in all these, you know, uh, all these, the, the Japanese players have been fantastic for them so far and I mean even even Rogic as well or Rogic whatever we pronounce his name but even he's had this amazing resurgence under uh, Postacoglu as well you know he's, he's again he's a completely different player than what we've seen from him he's, he's shown flashes you know of how good he is but he never seemed to get like a full 90 minutes under his belt whereas now he does um, so yeah I think and Again, knowing how important this game was to Celtic, Celtic needed to win because Rangers won the day before. And Celtic, I think Celtic were always going to win. And I'm not disappointed at all with the result. I'm disappointed with the officiating, yeah. But as Martindale said, it's like Celtic deserved to win it because they won the battle in midfield. And that's where we've been winning the battles. Um, one thing that I do want to point out, though, is a lot of people after the game were really slating Io. Like and I'm like, just from watching the highlights, Io was like, Io came close to scoring twice, and like, yeah, fair enough. It's his like it comes off of his foot, which deflects into Devlin for the second goal. But I mean, there's there's nothing that you can do in that position. You know, the the slagging of Io after the game was is was just absolutely unbelievable to to me because again, I didn't see the full ninety minutes, but from the highlights, Io was involved in everything that we had going forward. He was even involved in Shinny's goal. He was the he got the assist for Shinny's goal. So, you know, I don't I don't understand where that came from. But uh nah it was it was again, as I said last week, it's a free hit against Celtic. You know, if we get a point, we get a point. Brilliant. A point would be fantastic. If we got three, fantastic. But if we got none, it's like, you know, that's it. We've now played the old firm. It's now non-old firm teams that we've got to play now for the rest of the season, and that's where we're going to get our points from. That's the only likely place that we're going to get our points from. So, um, so yeah, I'm not disappointed with the result, but 
yeah, I think they, when what immediately after half time you go two 0 down, uh, that's it, you know. Yeah, I'm surprised. I, I I've I don't know. I didn't see any of the the stuff about Io, but yeah, from someone that was there, he was. Yeah, I was going to come on to that. To be honest, he was pretty much anything or everything that we had going forward. Um, yeah, so surprised about that. I think you know I was praising him for the Dundee United game. I don't think him and Fitzwater done anything particularly wrong in the Celtic game. Uh, you know, you're just up against <clears throat> better players. <laughs> That's the sort of the be all and end all. Um, I was going to mention Alan Forrest's brother's goal. We were pretty soft in midfield the game, but hold your hands up. It was uh, a pretty great finish. Uh, Jake, I'll quickly come back to you. Is Andrew Shinney the new Dolly Menga? We've got two goals out of him so far this season, both on the telly, both against Celtic. Has it been worth signing him for those two goals? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, certainly for that that one um, that first goal I would say so purely that kickstarted our whole season I think uh, that was you know we're in a bit of a shit time and then we were never expected to beat Celtic and then we beat them and it did kickstart things I actually quite like them you know <clears throat> and then, although I really like Dolly Menga as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dolly Menga was fucking hilarious uh, I like really stupid Token players, we get like that, and just start the, the odd good thing and mostly shake. But no, I really like Anthony. I wouldn't say he's a starter now. Uh, thought it was pretty weird that he started, as I mentioned already. Uh, but nah, I don't think you can compare him with Dolly Menga. I think he's got more skill, <laughs> more, a lot footballing ability. Um, yeah, I, I don't mind Anderson. You know, I don't mind him. I think, yeah, definitely. He's a good sub to bring on. And he seems like a good guy as well. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't think it'd be fair to <laughs> compare him with Dolly Menga. But I liked that he did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he's a much more intelligent. <laughs> I, I think he's uh, he is a good player. And I thought when we first signed him, I was like, here we go. We've got ourselves a footballer. But. Just, I don't know if it's been the position that we're playing on the system or whatever, but yeah, for me, he's just a bit meh. Uh, finally, I'll just come to everyone. He is a massive favourite on the show. It's so good to see Craig Sibble back. He came on, had a pop shot from 25 yards, forced a good key, uh, save from uh, Joe Hart. Yeah, does anyone want to praise Craig Sibold? Yep, own. Yeah, it's good to see him back. <laughs> like, I mean, we've been we've been waiting to see him back for, or I've certainly been waiting to see him back for for ages. Um, I kind of thought that maybe against Dundee or against Dundee United when he's on the bench that he might come on because again, you know, we might want to rest players like Omiyonga and stuff like that for the game against Celtic. Um, but I, I mean, I managed to catch maybe the last ten minutes of the game. And and again, for the very rare occasions that we were moving forward, Sybold was involved in every single one of them. He had a good couple of touches outside, linked out, um, linked up quite well with uh, Penrice on the left hand side. Um, again, that pop shot that was going in. Like if if Joe Hart didn't get to, I mean, I suppose in a way you can see it's a routine save for the keeper because he can see it coming from miles away. But the fact that Sybold is is obviously wanting to to try that. Um, and get a goal, then fantastic. Uh, I know his contract's up at the end of the season. I've, again, we've we've heard he's been offered a new deal, but obviously we haven't heard anything about it. That's what I'm concerned about because I think Sybil would be a brilliant player for us if we could, you know, if he could stay fit. Um, and it's not even necessarily him staying fit because I think Martindale put it to him that he needs to, you know, he needs to make sure that he can stay fit. I think that's a bit unfair to say about Sybil because, like, he's a good player and he and he'll always try. So I, I'm not saying and the injuries haven't been his fault either is another thing. So telling Sybil to stay fit when you've got like you know half his leg ripped open from a studs up challenge is is a bit unfair to me. But 
Um, I'd like to see Sybold stay next season. The two big ones for me is Holt and Sybold. If Holt and Sybold sign new deals, I would be quite happy to say, Alan Forrest, you know, you've been brilliant. But, you know, away you go. But as long as we can keep Holt and Sybold, um, I think I'd like to see more of Sybold towards the end of the season. Um, again, as you say, he's a, he's a massive, massive favourite um, of the podcast. And uh, fingers crossed, we can see a wee bit more of them and double fingers crossed that we see more of them again next season. Yeah. Uh, Poby, did you have anything quickly on Craig Sibold? No, just uh, kind of on your point, I'll just elaborate your point a wee bit uh, looking ahead. It's a really important couple of games coming up. Uh, I can't see him starting. Uh, does he feature... <sighs> I would like to see so. Certainly, well, no matter where we finish, I suppose top six or bottom six, I definitely would like to see him. But uh, it, the next two games are really massive and I think we stick to the system we know and put him on. It was lovely to see him feature. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be starting him in the next couple of games. Uh, certainly a great option on, from the bench though. And, and I bloody love him. So it's great to see him back. I think I've probably... Name dropped Sybil the most the whole time he's been absent. <laughs> Not saying I'm his favourite, but you know, yeah, that's I pretty much am. I love, I love you, Craig. Very quickly, <clears throat> not to be a little negative, Nelly. Thought uh, Tommy Onga and Holt were uh, pretty probably their worst performance together in midfield. Uh, more so, Omionga. Don't really. I thought he looked really quite out of his depth, which is not something I've seen in well maybe in the first game against Rangers when he was a bit just coming in and trying to try it was trying too hard just the ball just didn't stick to his feet eh? they just I don't know if it was if it was Beaton or Rogic who just really did not allow him to do anything it felt like we were just so rushed at all times now I get that's probably why we didn't uh, play it from the back but um, yeah I thought they were uh, was, would you say that would you agree maybe the worst performance they've had as a two even though, I mean, you can't fault them because they're both, they've both been so, so good. But it was a tough, tough day at the office for both of them, I think. Tam? I think we got killed by the press. That Celtic press was fucking ridiculous. Like, they had zero time on the ball. Like, and they were, they were probably too close together. That's the only thing. But when you're trying to defend compact and then they, you get the ball you don't have that much time to kind of spread out and get that space yeah. that you've usually been getting. So, yeah, I, th- I think it's harsh to call them bad performances because the Celtic press just killed us. And I mean, I guess you could kind of make uh, comparisons to the St. Johnston game at home like a few weeks ago. They pressed us and they killed us because they had that extra fitness and we really struggled to kind of play the way that we play because of that press. I just hope teams, one, aren't capable of doing that and two, haven't noticed that that's how you can nullify our midfield. I guess what we could have done more, um, and this is probably a, a good reason to start Brucey in the game, would be to play it like a slightly longer ball over the top to try and sp- stretch the game out a little bit. Because Brucey's so good at kind of running into those kind of spaces into the channels and just being a general nuisance to the centre halves. Whereas I don't think Nublai really did that. Not that he's obviously he's got the physicality, but. Um, Brucey kind of puts himself about more and he's a bit quicker getting between and getting to the ball. Whereas that kind of didn't happen. So we were kind of stuck trying to get the ball out through the midfielders. And I think that made them look bad because every time they got the ball, there was four or five Celtic players tight on them. And they were passing the ball kind of five yards between each other, which is difficult. Like when you're under pressure, it's so difficult. So yeah, I think, you know, obviously... It's not up there with their greatest performances, but I think it was just Celtic's unbelievable fucking mental press that, that killed them and us ultimately killed the way that we played. I don't think we could play good football. I think that's just how good they were. Here is your favourite segment. It's time for... Where the boys pick a former Livingston player that wore a specific number and argue why they should take that number and that current player's place in the team. Remember, this only applies to a signed 
numbers. The days of the old 1 to 11 do not count. This week, in tribute, we chose number nine for the February Player of the Month for both the SPFL and the Amonview podcast, Sir Bruce Anderson. The boys have a minute each to present their cases and I will judge whether we give Bruce a new number or if he gets to keep the number nine. So let me get my stopwatch at the ready and we're coming to you first, Thomas Fro. Are you ready? I'm ready. No. So I'm picking a man who is an absolute uh, stalwart of Scottish football. Um, played for numerous clubs across his time in Scottish football. Uh, Hibs, Rangers, Celtic, Rangers again, Rangers again, and the Mighty Lions. Um, he also he also grew up for a bit in Livingston, I'm reliably informed. So it's, you know, it's always good to have a local boy in the team. You know, we love Penners. He's local. Uh, this man is local. Uh, scored zero goals for Livingston in his two appearances as a player manager. I am picking the one and only Kenny Miller. Like, I just don't think you can argue against it. You've got leadership there. As I've said before, he's local. Can you tell I'm struggling to come up with ideas here? Um, he's scored a shit ton of goals across many places. Unfortunately, not for us. That's fine. I think he played right back for us, so he's versatile. Um, he played for Scotland 69 times, which is a great number, and scored 18 goals. So that is an experience you cannot beat. Well, you're one minute and two. That's not bad. And that was because I started the 10 second count too late. Thomas has chosen Kenny Miller, so he is 100% not getting Bruce Anderson shot. <laughs> okay. So, Owen, you are up next. You have a minute to tell us why your player should have Bruce Anderson's number nine shirt and then reveal who they are. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, this is going to be quite interesting. Right. I will give you my 10. When you see me going like this, that's your 10 seconds warning for the end. So three, two, one, go. Well, the player in which I've chosen is uh, he, he's, he's played for six clubs in Scotland over the course of his uh, entire career. He's still a young boy as well, uh, being sent out on loan and things like that. Uh, he only failed to score for one club that he was uh, on loan at, and that's when he was on loan at Air United. Um, this season is his first season getting a full season underneath his belt. So far, scored 14 goals this season, and he is only one goal behind Derek Lilly's league record uh, for Livingston scoring. Uh, which is absolutely amazing considering the fact that we only have eight games left of this season. I think that he can do it. I really hope he can do it. He's a handsome fucker from Banff. There is no way that Bruce Anderson is getting moved because Bruce Anderson is our number nine. I love that. I love that you went for Bruce Anderson. I did say before, actually. That someone had to argue for him. So. Someone had to argue, and I was going to do that if no one done it, so fair play. Uh, next up, we have Mr. Stephen Povey. Are you ready to present your case? You have one minute. I will give you a 10-second warning at the end. Are you ready to rock and roll? Sure, go for it, mate. Three, two, one. He's big. He's powerful. He's fast. He's strong in the air. He's got a lethal right foot. He's young, damn, he's full of calm and he scores goals for fun. Aussie rules to su soccer superstar. You'll hear his name scoring all the goals on open all mics. That's right, his number nine, London Dykes. Work rate, yeah, work rate, just absolute lovey style. Haircuts, bloody rainbow style. 12 goals, like, on that. I mean, that season didn't even finish. He would definitely be our top goal scorer in the Prem. Uh, even, even bad a couple before leaving. Made Scott Robinson look amazing. Bloody got him a player of the player of the month. Broke the transfer fee over Fernandez. All the dosh. He brought Livy the mentality to Scotland. He brought Scotland to their first tourney. Dykes, baby. <laughs> that was poetic. 
Yeah, yours are always top notch, man. Yours are always so poetic. I love it. Uh, so, so far we have Kenny Miller, Bruce Anderson himself, and Lyndon Dykes. This is going to be a pretty hard task. Jake, oh, are you ready to present your case for your number nine? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Three, two, one, go. Man number nine is an international superstar with two caps for Argentina. He's the only player to also play for Barcelona, Barcelona and Real Madrid. What the fuck? Also, this guy takes free kicks. Does Bruce Anderson take free kicks? No, he does not. Does he score absolute ripper free kicks against Rangers? No, he does not. My guy, Rolando Zorate, he does top shagger. Also, he has beautiful olive skin. Bruce Anderson looks like he's never been in the sunshine in his fucking life, unlike my olive beautiful Rolando Zerati. Don't have many other facts about Zerati. I just know Top Shagger should be our number nine. And I've done it in time, haven't I? I've still got yeah, you've, most you've, time you've, left. <laughs> you've got 15 seconds, but if you want to stop there, fair enough. It's all right, yeah, I'll just finish it there. That's all I need. All I need for that beautiful Zerati. 33 games to Libby, that's more than Bruce Anderson. He's a king, mate. Get him back in. Miss him. He's now 43 years old. And recorded at Wisteria. <laughs> is that it? Is he only 43? <laughs> Fucking hey. hell. He looked ancient when he played for us. He uh, did, eh? <laughs> Okay, this is going to be a pretty, pretty hard decision from me, the judge. Thomas, Kenny Miller, F, F or fail. No chance. The guy was fucking dreadful. He will go down with Paul Lambert in the Hall of Shame. Absolutely not. Your arguments were compelling. If we've seen a fit Kenny Miller actually play up front for a full season, maybe, but nah, fuck you. Povey. Lyndon Dykes, this is where it gets tough. This is where it gets tough. I might come back to you because Dykes probably was one of the best all-round players that I've seen play for Livingston for a long, long time. So I'll, need to, I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. Jake, you are pulling at my heartstrings there. Rolando Zerati, probably one of my first favourite Livy players. Too lazy though, man. Too lazy. Just didn't do it enough. Didn't do it enough on the big stage. Fair enough, he scored an absolute belter against Rangers. Uh, and a couple of... He was one of those players that he would only score amazing goals. And that's not what you need for a striker. Especially if you're down the bottom or challenging for Europe. You need a striker that will just be in the six-yard box. And that's when I'm going to come to Owen. It is between Bruce Anderson and Lyndon Dykes. <laughs> I'm going to say... Bruce... Gonna have to say Bruce, man. Gonna have to say Bruce. And for one reason, and one reason only, is that I would re-sign London Dykes, but give him like number 25 or something. Have the same player and have them both in the same team. Um, So yeah, I am giving it to to Brucey, our boy, our man of the moment. We fucking love you, Bruce. Uh, During the research, I will just quickly go through... We've had 17 number nines play for Livingston. 17 that have been assigned the number nine. Uh, we've had more than one number nine in one season on five, or was it three or five separate occasions? So the number nines we've had, I will list them. Nathan Lounds, Rolando Zerati, Fernando Pasquinelli, Jim Hamilton, Paul Dalgleish, Sam Morrow, Mark McNulty, Rob Ogilvie, Rory Boulding, Jordan White, Liam Buchanan, Nikolai Todorov, fucking hell, Ryan Hardy, Kenny Miller, Lyndon Dykes, Anthony Stokes, obviously, and of course, J. Emmanuel Thomas. Wow, there is some absolute shite in there. <laughs> out of this, out of the it's only 18 because now we've got Bruce Anderson so out of the 18 number nines I would probably say two of them were decent Owen <clears throat> I just the, the best one for me like like the only other one for me would be Rob Ogilvie like that boy was so 
so bad. I, 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 like, I mean, I know that we go like, you know, Derek Adams is the worst player to play for us. Paul Lambert's the worst player, player to play for us and things like that. Rob Ogilvy, like he got, like, I think he only played four games or something like that. But those four, that was more than enough games to know that he was absolute shite. And we gave him the number nine shot. I, I don't was, think I've ever seen him. <clears throat> I've never he, seen him play. I remember he played like maybe the first four games of this because it was John McGlynn that signed him, if I remember mm-hmm. rightly. And yeah. I think we saw him for like four games at the beginning of the season. Probably like two of them were cut games. And that boy could not hit a barn door with a banjo. It was, it was awful to see. Absolutely awful to see. Um, and then, and then, of course, you know when when Toddy came back because Toddy was twenty two when he originally signed for us, and then he came back as the number nine. But we were like pretty much destined to play him at centre half. At number nine played at centre half just sends my OCD and it just ah can't deal with it. Um, but yeah, Rob Ogilvy was possibly the worst player on that list. Thanks very much for listening. Now, if you enjoyed this episode. Please check out our previous episodes that include interviews with Livy legends such as David Fernandez, Barry Wilson, John Guthrie, Sean Byrne and many more. Check out our social media. Twitter and Instagram is at AlmondViewPod. Facebook and YouTube just search for AlmondViewPodcast and make sure to subscribe to wherever you get your stream your podcast to get notified about when we drop new content. For the Libby, hope to see you next week. Mm-hmm.